Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. We're so glad that you're here uh, this morning. I uh, want to begin with uh, this particular thought, and that is that some of the people that are in this place are closer to you than your own family. And the reason I know that is because you can see it in your faces when you come in and you connect with each other. That some of you actually um, are more engaged and you're closer to the people that are here than you are with your own biological family. And if that's true, then one of the things that I would encourage you is to become a partner. To actually say, this is my church family. And you might ask, well, what is a partner? And a partner is simply kind of that formal commitment that you make to say, this is my church and I'm going to uh, give of my time and resources and talents to it. And uh, I think God could move within that in a very, very cool way. And so uh, if you haven't made that decision yet, I would just ask, why not? Because if you've accepted Christ and you've been baptized and you're actually asking, well, what's the next step? The next step is to become a partner. So I'd encourage you to do that. So next Sunday, after the second celebration, I'll be teaching uh, the partner class where I'll talk about uh, the mission, vision, values of the church and how you can use your resources and talents uh, to be able to impact the church as well. And lunch is going to be provided, so you don't have to do lunch next week. We'll take care of that. Child care is provided. We'll be done about 2.30. And there's a couple different ways that you can sign up. One is you can go to our app, and you can just click on the icon that says uh, sign up. And then you go ahead and move down to where it says partner class, and you just sign up right there, and you're good to go. Or you at the resource table, uh, you can go ahead and uh, sign up there as well. But I hope that many of you will consider uh, being, being a partner. Well, this morning I want to talk about something that I think uh, every single one of us struggle with at some part of our life, and that is this topic of patience. In fact, I became impatient trying to put this teaching together uh, this week, And I was struggling for ideas and thoughts, and so I went ahead and I sent an email to Chuck uh, Mock, who oversees our Celebrate Recovery that meets on Thursdays at 7 o'clock. If you have a hurt or have it or hang up, uh, check that out. Because he's a very wise person, and he's very kind. And so I simply sent him an email and I asked him, uh, what are you like when your patience runs out? And in a very short time, he replied back to me, and he said, I become an angry, self-centered idiot that no one wants to be around. And then he went, P.S., I'm real busy right now, so stop interrupting me, idiot. I love that guy. He's got some anger problems, but uh, I love that guy. Now... Now, Chuck didn't really say that, but this is the thing that I wanted to ask you this morning, that if we ask the people who were closest to you, 
If we ask them, what are you like when your patience runs out, I have a feeling that many of them would say, they become an angry, self-centered idiot that no one wants to be around. Now, last week, uh, my family kind of had a family getaway, and we went down to Tennessee uh, over the long weekend since it was President's Day and the girls were out. And on Sunday, Jen and I started talking. We're like, you know what? Let's not spend all Monday driving. Let's drive about halfway, and we'll stop, and uh, then we can sleep in on Monday morning, and uh, we'll be able to do that before... Uh, everything starts back at work and in our lives on Tuesday. And so, in my mind, I started calculating. I was like, well, if we leave at 9 o'clock at night, uh, we'll be able to uh, go ahead and um, we'll be able to get to Lexington by around midnight or so, and we'll have a great way to be able to sleep, you know, sleep in the next morning. Now, the only problem was I had promised both of the girls that we would go putt-putting and swimming earlier in the week, and we had not done either. And so they were asking me about that, and a promise is a promise in the bunch household. So I took them putt-putting and uh, swimming because Jen said, why don't you go take the girls, you do that, and I'll pack everything up in the house. And so we went putt-putting. We had coats on, but we were putt-putting. And then they started swimming. And then they started saying this. Can we stay just a little longer? If you're a parent, have you ever heard that before? Or a grandparent? Can we just stay a little longer, a little longer, a little longer? And it kept going on and on and on and on. And I started to notice that I was starting to lose patience. But I thought to myself, I'm teaching on patience on Sunday, so I can't lose patience right then. And so I threw up a half, uh, kind of a half, hearted prayer uh, to God in which I said, God, help me not be a jerk right now. (laughs) Isn't that a great prayer for a pastor? I mean, what a wonderful prayer for a pastor. I mean, I didn't say, God, would you conform me to the image of Christ? Would you teach me something in this moment? I just said, God, would you help me not be a jerk to my seven and nine-year-old? What a prayer. Well, finally, we got to 8.45, and I'm thinking to myself, we only have 15 minutes here before we need to be on the road so that my plan works. And so I looked to the girls, and I said, hey, five more minutes in a very stern voice. Now, there were five other things I wanted to say, but I was teaching on patience today, so, you know, I didn't do that. So they get out of the pool, they obey. I'm thinking, ah, we'll get them dried off, we'll get them in the car, we're ready to go. And we get back to the room, and I walk in, and the, ha- the, the place we were staying looked like a total disaster. And it was not packed up, ready to go. And I'm thinking, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock. And I walked in, and I wanted to say something like this. Jen, you've had an hour, and this is all you've gotten done? But again, I was teaching on patience this weekend, so I knew I couldn't say that. And so I threw up that prayer again. God, help me not to be such a jerk. So I go ahead, I get the luggage cart, I load up all the luggage that is packed, I take it down to the van, I load it up, and 
When I come back to the room, my seven-year-old has not moved. She is not helping her mom. She is not helping the family. She's just sitting there in la-la land. I have no idea what she's doing. And just before I'm getting ready to go off on Shiloh for absolutely doing nothing to help out the family, she says this, Dad, do you think I'll always have an Audi belly button, or one day do you think I'll have an innie? And at that, I blacked out, and I have no idea how we got to Lexington. Now, folks, I bet that all of you understand a similar situation or you've experienced something like that. Where, circumstantially, you're wanting something to happen, but it just doesn't quite happen the way that you want. Every little thing that you wanted to have done didn't happen the way you wanted it, and so you start to lose your patience. And in that moment... You have a choice. You can either cross over into the land that I'm going to be an angry, self-centered idiot that no one wants to be around, or I can throw a prayer upward that, God, I need your patience right now, and you don't fall into a temper tantrum or into a tongue lashing of those around you. But patience, folks, I want you to know, is not just a circumstantial thing. And we'll talk about some other things about it here in just a moment. And you're going to have to be patient just a minute, okay? Because we won't get there until a little bit. Now, if you're going to grow stronger in patience, the first thing you need to do is to look at the God of the universe who created this concept anyways, and how does Scripture describe the patience of God? And in Psalm 103.8, it says this. Let's read this out loud together, all in one voice. Let's read it out loud. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. I like this verse so much, because if a person ever came up to me and said, what is your God like? I mean, this is a blueprint. This is a soundbite of what you should say. Our God is compassionate. He fills stuff deeply. He empathizes with whatever you and I are going through. Some of you are going through some stuff right now, and God says, hey, you know, draw close to me, and I'm right there. I want to give you compassion to help you through this. Our God is gracious, which means He's merciful, and He is kind. Our God has a gentle understanding. He understands what every single person in this place is going through, and He is not uh, ignoring problems. He is with you and present with you, and He gets your problems. And then the last part says this, Our God is abounding in loving kindness. In other words, He's overflowing with kindness that He wants to bless your life. He wants to give His favor to you, to bless you. But there's something in this verse that we held back that we didn't talk about yet. And right in the middle, it says that if you push Him, if you defy Him, if you put your face to Him, if you curse Him, if you ignore Him, He most certainly will get angry. Now, it's not an out-of-control anger. 
But it's a righteous anger. But it's anger nonetheless. But get this. The verse says that when he gets angry, how does he respond? It says blank to anger. What's it say? What pace does he go? He says it's slow. Not fast. He's never quick to get angry. He doesn't have a short fuse. Now, if this is God's demeanor, that you are to be compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding with loving kindness, and you are created in the image of God, what should you look like? Yeah, you should look the same. You should look compassionate, gracious, overflowing with love for other people and slow to get angry. But if you become a short-fused, quick-to-anger, almost go off because people aren't leaving at 9 o'clock when you think they should, what do you think that says about me? What says for me, I've got a lot of growing still to do. Anybody here have some growing to do? Just by a show of hands, yeah. How how many of you could grow in patience? I don't have time, folks. Could you raise your hands, okay? I don't have time for this. I've got to teach. I'm joking, okay. So what does the Bible say about growing in patience? Well, actually, it says quite a bit. But the key passage that I want us to look at this morning comes from a text in Colossians 3.12. And it says this. It says, because you're chosen, because you're loved, he says, clothe yourselves now. With compassion, clothe yourselves with kindness, clothe yourselves with humility, clothe yourselves with gentleness, and clothe yourselves with patience. That phrase there, to clothe yourselves, implies that you have to put something on. Now, hang on here just for a second because... I want to talk a little bit about what Paul says just before this verse. He says to the same group of people, but first of all, what I need you to do is you need to unclothe or take something off. He goes, you know that dirty shirt that you have that you always wear when you lie? He says, I want you to take your lying shirt and I want you... To get rid of it. You're done with your lying shirt. If you become a follower of Christ, what happens is you choose not to lie anymore. You get rid of that lying shirt. Another area that he talked about was greed. Your greed shirt. Every time you're all about money. Money, 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 money. I just need more money. How can I make more money? How can I keep money? How can I give all the money to myself and not give it away. Every time you become greedy with that shirt, he says you got to get rid of that shirt. And then he said other shirts. The anger shirt, the slander shirt, the immorality shirt. Paul says all of these shirts, folks, they have to go. They have to leave. That was your old life. That was the way it was before. But now you need to bury those. You need to burn those. You need to get rid of of your wardrobe that deals with those issues. Then he says, now, 
that you don't have anything on, I'm challenging you now to clothe yourselves with a new uniform. That the Holy Spirit is going to clothe you with things like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness. And for our purposes today, patience. I want you to put on a patience shirt. So Paul is talking about all this concept of taking things off and putting things on. Now, does anybody know what this shirt represents? What team? The Yankees. The New York Yankees. Now, the pinstripes of the Yankees is the most renowned, recognized, and revered baseball uniform in all of Major League Baseball, at least over the last hundred years. And the reason is, is because there are legends who have worn this shirt. There are people like Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and many others. And it's always interesting to me when the Yankees have a press conference, they pull this out and they put it in front of that 22-year-old, and they ask him to put it on. And you'll see these guys who are amazing athletes. They put this on, and they start tearing up, and they start getting choked up. Because when they wear that, they know the history behind what they're wearing. They know who has worn this before. Because the shirt represents a legacy of greatness and the pinstripes mean something. So that's the shirt. Now Paul, kind of in a similar way, he goes ahead and he says, well, I have a shirt that I want you to wear as well. And I picked blue because psychologists tell us that blue is soothing. So if you're wearing blue right now and you have that on, it soothes the people around you. And Paul says, I have a shirt for anyone who's interested And this is a shirt that is called an everyday patience shirt. This is your first fill-in if you want. You can fill this in or do it on your app. But what type of patience shirts do you need to wear? Well, for some of us, we need an everyday patience, patience shirt. This shirt is spirit designed. It's to let people not become short-fused people and to grow in thousands of ways. People who have worn the patient shirt as Christ followers for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, they've become more kingdom people who love Christ and love other people more because they're growing in patience. It's a shirt... When people who are busy, maybe you're like me, and you're a busy person, you've got a lot going on, that you wake up each morning and you put this shirt on and you surrender yourself to God and you say, God, today I'm having patience as I walk through my day. Help me with my patience today, God. Help me not run ahead of you and become angry and upset about the things around me. Help me not become a self-centered idiot that no one wants to be around. Remind me that as I wear this shirt today, that people, people are more important than achievements. 
and that the relationships that I form are more important than whether or not I get everything completed on my schedule today. And God, remind me that I am not the center of the universe. That you, God, you are. And what's more important than anything else is that your will be done today. Not my will. Several years ago, uh, Jen was pregnant with our first daughter, Jordan, and we were in the happiest place on earth. Anybody know where that happy place is? Disney World, yeah. And while I was there, we decided one day we were going to go to SeaWorld. And I realized that if I was going to be a good dad, I had to be a patient dad. And so leading up to this trip, before we actually got to the happiest place on earth, I started seeking God's wisdom to have everyday patience. And I actually read this passage that we just read in Colossians 3.12, in which it states that you clothe yourself with things. And so each morning when I would wake up, I would clothe myself in a new shirt, and I would say, today, God, this is my patient shirt. I'd look at the fruits of the Spirit, and I'd say, this is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'd put it on, and I'd remind myself that this is how I'm going to act throughout this day. Now, to be honest, at first, when I started doing this, it was weird. It was very weird to put on a shirt and go, hey, this is my patient shirt today. But as I started doing this more and more and more, I realized that I got less irritated as the day went on. I would take more deep breaths when I would remind myself at the very beginning what I'm putting on, what I'm wearing. And I would say, Jesus, today, fill me with patience because I have my patient shirt on. Fill me with love. Fill me with joy. Whatever that is. And I would be quite proud of myself. But like I said, we... We get to the happiest place on earth on this one day and my wife, Jennifer, is pregnant. And when we get to this place, I'm on Interstate 4 and we're going to SeaWorld. And the car is like this. My, my dad's in the seat right beside me. My pregnant wife is in the back. My nephew's right in the middle. And my mom's on the other side of him. And we're all driving. And what should have only taken 15 minutes to get to SeaWorld, all of a sudden there was this traffic jam and it was an hour and we had not gotten halfway there yet. About that time, Jennifer's in the back seat, pregnant, and she says, I know we're kind of in a tough situation, but I've got to pee. To which I said with a very patient voice, Just hold it, we're almost there. Now you never say that to a pregnant woman. I've learned this since then. You know, you just, you don't do that. But I wasn't thinking. So we're in the car for one hour. Now it's become a second hour. We've been in this car for two hours. There's no way you can get out and do anything. And finally we get off the exit and I come up to the ramp and you're in Orlando. 
The happiest place on earth. There should be tons of places all around you so someone could use the restroom. We get off that exit, there's nothing. And so I look down the road, and then I see this particular sign, Nickelodeon. And I speed to this hotel, and I find a a guard that's at the gate, and I pull up, and they say, are you a guest? And I go, no, but my wife's pregnant, and she has to pee. To which she said, well, sorry, sir, if you're not a guest, I can't let you in here. You'll have to back up and go another way. Now, at this point, I came up with three possible solutions. Option one, I could beg this person to let me through. Option two, I could back up and just get back on the road, and I'm sure there's a place that's close. Or option three, I can go off on this person. Now, this was nine and a half years ago. What do you think my option was? Yeah, number three. I went off. With my best Baptist pastor's voice, I turned to the person and said, My wife is in the back. She's pregnant. And if you don't let her go use the restroom, I'm going to ram through this gate. And all of a sudden, I see this lady. She's scared. She's scared. I'll never forget the look. And she didn't even know quite how to respond. And then she said, Sir, I'm sorry, but if you're not a guest, you you can't go through here. So I slammed my hand on the dash, slammed my hand on the steering wheel. I backed up, and as I'm looking in my rearview mirror, my seven-year-old nephew has tears in his eyes. Because he's scared. And he's fearful. And we get out of Nickelodeon and we go down to the next place. Jen didn't pee her pants. She made it in time. And she gets back in the car and we're heading to SeaWorld. And you know that once someone has been an angry, self-centered idiot, the car gets quiet. No one says anything. And all of a sudden, I feel this prompting from the Spirit, apologize to your family. And so I go, hey, guys, I just want to apologize for being such a jerk. And Hunter, I want to apologize to you most, buddy. Because people who follow Jesus should never act in that kind of way. And I wasn't following him very well. And then I ask, would you forgive me, Hunter? And he said, sure, Uncle Chris, but don't bang your fist on the steering wheel. It's scary. And that was it. Now, I'm just going to be real with you this morning. I felt another prompting to go back to the guard and to apologize to her as well. But I had to save face, you know what I mean? I wasn't quite as humble, and I didn't go back. I didn't do that. But I do remember later that night, just as my head was spinning, going, God, if I'm going to be the father that you want me to be, I can't have moments like this. I can't lose it like this. God, I need your patience. Even though I put the, the, the patient shirt on and I thought I was doing that so well, God, I need a supernatural help to be able to be a more patient person. 
Well, in addition to patience and prayer, let me give you a couple more examples of how you can grow in everyday patience. This past winter, I've had uh, carpool duty uh, two nights a week. So my girls and some of their friends are on a swimming team, and I have to go pick them up uh, at Delta High School and bring them home. And the first several times that I would get there, I got there early before anything else, the girls would come out, but Brad never did. Brad took 30 minutes in the locker room. There are four girls and one boy that I bring back, and I have to have the seventh grade diva boy who stays in the bathroom the whole time. So after the first few times, I noticed I was getting frustrated, and the only thing I think in my head was, Brad, why is it about Brad? And I'm just about ready to go off on Brad, when all of a sudden I thought, you know what? I need to put on my patient shirt because I don't think if I don't do that, I'm not going to be able to make this. And so I decided I can't just say, oh, the shirt's enough. I actually have to put a couple more tools. So what I would do is I would get my Bible or I'd get another book and I would bring that with me. And then also I would go ahead and I'd bring my computer. And so if I had any work to do and he took a half hour, it didn't matter. I was there. And this entire time, the last three or four months, Brad has taken a half hour every single time. It has not changed. But I've grown and had some progress and patience because I brought some tools with me not to do that. So the next time you go to a doctor's office or a dentist's office or someplace where you may have to wait, think about what tool could I bring so that I don't go off. Some of you... You commute regularly in traffic. Or when you're in traffic, it doesn't take much for you to go off. A suggestion that I have is put in a worship CD or to put on a Christian radio station. And remind yourself, I'm clothed in patience. And while you're in traffic, worship God. I mean, that's not such a bad thing, right? Just take a few minutes and you spend that time worshiping God. I remember once I'm listening to a pastor who said, when I go to a grocery store to work on patients, I always choose to go to the longest line. And when I stand in the longest line, I spend time with God. And when he said that at first, I thought, this guy is nuts. I mean, he's crazy. What do you mean? I never go to the grocery store trying to find the longest line. Every single time I go to the grocery store, it's like surveillance. Which is the shortest line? Where can I get into faster? Who can I move out of the way? How can I get out of here as fast as I can? But that teaching convicted me so much that I realized when I go to the, gra- to the grocery store, I don't even see people anymore. Because all I'm thinking about is how can I get in and out and back to doing whatever I'm doing. And so, all of a sudden, I got convicted that I needed to start finding the longest line. Now, I don't do this all the time, but regularly I'll do this. And I'm telling you, folks, it has changed my ability to be more patient 
because it really does work. So try it. Try it sometime. Just try it once and, you know, see how it works. But try it. This Friday, my uh, oldest daughter, Jordan, came down with some bug, and uh, we went to the doctor, and then they said, well, you've got to go get some medicine. So I went to the pharmacy. Now, have you ever noticed when you go to the pharmacy, the doctor can tell you that I called that in five weeks ago. But when you get to the pharmacy, what often happens? It's not ready. It's not there. So I walk up to the counter, and the customer service rep is there. And I said, well, here's my name. And they said, oh, we don't have it quite filled yet. That was four hours ago. They didn't have it quite filled yet. But they said, if you'll wait... Just 10 minutes, sir, we'll get it taken care of. And so I pulled over to the side, and I thought, you know what? I can just start praying. And so I started praying for the health of my daughter, Jordan, that she would get better. I prayed for Shiloh and Jen, that they would not get it. They're not good sick people, let me just say. Um, I prayed for myself, that I wouldn't get it. I started praying for the prayer requests. I always take it with me when I'm going somewhere. So I I prayed for some of the personal prayer requests of our church. I prayed for our church as a whole. Because some of you, you need a lot of prayer. That's the truth, you know. And I just kept praying. And then finally I prayed. And God noticed how much of a patient person I am right now. And what a wonderful person, you know, I'm becoming. But... But just try that sometime. The next time you're in a line, rather than getting frustrated and upset, just start praying for the people that are in your life. So this is the everyday kind of patient shirt that some of you need. But the reality is, is that some of you need something more than that. You need what I'm going to call an enduring patient shirt. So that's your next fill-in there, enduring patience. And the shirt that I chose for this was the mini marathon shirt because the very first time I ever ran the mini marathon, they give you a bag with a new shirt. And the first time I ran it, I thought, I'm not going to wear that shirt. I mean, I want to wear that shirt after to show everybody, hey, I completed the mini marathon. But what I noticed was all the people who had run this before, they just put the shirt on. And they knew something that I didn't know. That there was going to be pain, and a lot of pain, in the next couple of hours. And they wore this shirt proudly, because they knew also that if it was too hot or it was too cold, they make these shirts to help you through that race. Now the reality is, folks, some of you need an enduring patient's shirt. Maybe you have a special needs child. Maybe you have a dying parent. Maybe you have a spouse that you have to care for in multiple ways. Maybe you have a physical disability. Maybe you have some chronic pain that you're dealing with, and it affects you every single day. Or maybe... You have a multi-year financial or relational kind of struggle that is not going away very fast. It might never go away. And for some of you, when you wake up in the morning, it's like you have a mini marathon that you're having to run 
every single day. And you need some enduring patience. Romans 5.3 says this, We stay joyful in trials, knowing that trials produce patience. Now, for some reason that I don't understand, I have no idea, but I've been thinking about this for almost the past 25 years. Some of you in this place are facing trials and circumstances and suffering that an everyday patient shirt is not going to be enough. Because every morning that you wake up, you have something that you have to endure through. And you need a shirt that you can go to God and you can say, God, would you just help me endure in patience through this day? Patience for the long haul. Patience for the decades. Patience maybe for a lifetime that you'll have to have because the particular situation that you're dealing with is never going to change. James 1.4 says this, Blessed are those who persevere under trial, because when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life. Some of you are going to receive an incredible reward in the next reality. Maybe you'll have your uniform kind of lifted to the rafters of heaven, like they do at Market or at uh, Banker's Life or at Lucas Oil that they'll take yours to heaven and they'll say, you endured for a lifetime. Maybe God will look at you and He'll say, my daughter, my son, you wound up having to face a trial in your life and you had to face it for a lifetime. But you grew in enduring patience and God will be there in heaven saying, way to go. Way to go. And so for some of you, what you might need is an enduring patience shirt. Well, there's one more type of patience shirt that some of us need to wear. And it's what I call an activist impatience shirt. An activist impatience shirt. Now, some of you are asking what my wife did earlier this week. She goes, what are you talking about? You're going to confuse everyone. What are you talking about? An activist, impatient shirt. Well, I'm not talking about political activism. What I'm talking about is people activism. That you look at the plight of what some people are experiencing in this world, and you finally just lose your patience, and you throw up your fist, and you simply decide, no more. No more. You look at the human trafficking problem, or you look at orphans in the world, or you look at the drug problem, or you look at the poverty problem, and you finally just get a shirt, and you just say, no more. 
No more. When people are being oppressed, raped, beaten, little children starving to death, you don't sit on the couch at that point, folks, and you pray for patience. You should become impatient, activistically impatient. You simply get off the couch and you stand before a holy God and you say, no more, no more. I remember several years ago, my wife Jennifer being so convicted by the struggle of AIDS and orphans in Africa. And she was approached by someone to go to Kenya to learn about the problem and to figure out ways that American doctors could help Kenyan doctors with this struggle. And she came to me one day and she's like, Chris, no more, no more. I've had it. I was like, no more with me? You've like had it with me? Like, what's, what's going on? She's like, no, 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 no. I don't mean you. It's not all about you, Chris, okay? I don't mean that. I'm done just sitting on the couch and praying for AIDS orphans. I'm tired of just praying for the sex trafficking problem that's going on in the world. I'm done. No more. And so she said, we're going to Kenya and you're going with me. And I kept thinking to myself, we have an 18-month-old and a 3-year-old. This doesn't seem like a good time right now. She's like, we're going. And when we got there, and I'll never forget one hospital where there were hundreds of people on the second floor. And they all had AIDS. And every single one of them was close to death. And we would go, and all we could do is hold their hands. I remember going to a little orphanage where these little kids had been thrown into latrines, just like a porta pot, just thrown in. And someone had saved them, or someone had heard them, and they had brought them to this place, and this place was loving on these orphans, and we would give baths and care for them. And as a church... If you remember, we came back and we started the concept called Soda Pop Sunday. And we challenged people to give money. And $500 would save the life of an orphan. And throughout the past several years, we've been able to save many of them. Because as a church, we said, no more, no more. And I'm not saying we solved the whole problem. We didn't do everything. But we did one part to say no more, not on our watch. I know of a group of people in our church who struggled to see how much poverty was in our community. And so they finally just said, no more. And they heard about this place called Morningstar, and they got connected to it. And on the second Saturday of each month, there's a group of people from our church that go every second Saturday, and they serve a lunch to some of the people who are the poorest in our community. And at Morningstar, you could do that, folks, this next month. You could say, you know what, I can't commit to every second Saturday, but I could commit to a Saturday this month. And you could actually make a commitment to do that. To go and to serve those who our community often forget. No more, no more. I think of a mother and a daughter who have a no more mentality. And they have seen the struggle of drugs in our community, and they're just like, no more, no more. And they're putting together a Christ-centered 
Substance Abuse Treatment Center for Women. And they've looked at the drug abuse problem and they just said, no more, no more. I think of Celebrate Recovery, where every Thursday, Chuck Mock and his team of leaders, they gather together because it says, help with life's hurts, habits, and hang-ups. They've just decided they don't want anyone to stand alone when they're going through hurts, habits, or hang-ups. And so they give of their time and their energy to come. And maybe you're struggling with something and you should be there or you could give of your life to that ministry. I think of a group of people in the jar right now who are on fire for looking at the struggle that we have with families in our community who are being torn apart, and so they're thinking of putting parenting classes together. Because the problem is, when you get pulled away from your kids, often the only way the the family gets put back together is you have to go through a series of parenting classes, but the reality is our community doesn't provide enough of that, and so we have families that aren't together. And so parenting classes, for some of you, that would be it. I know another group right now, they're working on non a non-hygiene uh, food bank, a non-food hygiene food bank kind of deal. In other words, not food, but hygiene items that often food stamps doesn't cover and to create an idea of how we could serve and care for that. And I'm telling you, if you want to help with parenting or you want to help with a hygiene kind of bank, then come talk to me and we'll get you plugged in to a couple of these areas. Folks, when was the last time you walked into your place of work and you said, this is broken? Or in your neighborhood and you said, this is broken? Or in the community and said, this is broken? And you finally just got so fed up that you're like, this has got to get fixed. No more. No more. And if you're there, then you got to get off the couch and put on your no more shirt And do something about it. And folks, there's a promise that anyone who puts on the no more shirt, it says anyone who becomes an activist for people, the poor, the hurting, the lost, the discouraged. Here's the promise in Isaiah. It says this, Your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday sun. You know, This is a verse that's simply saying God's going to pour out His favor, His blessing on your life. And many of you, for years and years, have been wearing no more shirts. Maybe for decades for some of you. And I think one of the reasons why God is blessing some of the people in our church in such amazing ways, in ridiculous ways actually, is because they've chosen to say, No more. Maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons why our church has been so ridiculously blessed in this season is because we unapologetically challenge you to say whatever that holy passion, that holy discontent that you say no more to, get involved in that. And so here's my final challenge. What kind of patient shirt do you need? Let's get rid of this Yankees one because we don't need that one. But what kind of patient shirts do you need? How many of you right now would say, you know what, I need an everyday patient shirt to wear 
That's what I need to wear. An everyday patient shirt. Would you just raise your hand? If this is the shirt, you're like, man, that's me. I need an everyday patient shirt. And then maybe for some of you, you're enduring something right now or you have been enduring something for multiple years. Every morning you wake up, you have to endure through something. How many of you would say, I need an enduring patient shirt? And then how many of you would say, you know what? I need to get active in something. I need to be able to finally say, no more. No more. And how many of you would say, hey, you know what? For me, I need to get off the couch and I need to to do something. No more. No more. Folks, all of us struggle with this topic called patience. At times, I'm not very patient. And I know at times, you're not patient. And the only way, folks, really to have patience in your life is that you've got to plug in to a power that is greater than yourself. And you have to do that by having God's attitude. So the the secret, folks, to patience really is you need an attitude adjustment. And the Bible says this. Let's read this out loud together. It'll come up on the side screens. The Bible says this. Let your attitude toward life be that of Jesus Christ. Folks, that's what it's about. That if you want to grow in patience, your attitude has to be one of Christ and you clothe yourselves with it every single morning. You're going to have to set aside your own attitude and put on God's attitude to care for others. To not look at the circumstances or the trials that you're dealing with. But to look up to God and say, God, my heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all. Take it all. And help me to grow stronger 